why COVID is so hard to understand. You can't just make this stuff up. So I have a copy of this document linked in the show notes. And if you already know a lot and want to cut to the chase, I have another link. Butchered by Healthcare, my book about healthcare corruption took me three years to research and write. Even with this background, it was September 2021 before I understood COVID, the vaccine frauds, and why therapies were being hidden. So I'm not critical of people who don't get it yet. My mission is to explain the scene for those who do not have my training. The following is well understood in hospitals, even by janitors. Number one, kids should not get the vaccine because it kills far more of them than COVID, over 100 times more. Number two, pregnant women should not get the shot either. Some studies show that it kills 80% of their fetuses. Number three, there have been 128 studies that have concluded that once you get C19, you can't get it again, even the new variants. And about half of U.S. citizens have already been infected. The vax, on the other hand, confers no immunity, and many vaccinated still die from COVID. Of those in hospitals with C-19, 60% in the U.S., 80% in the U.K., and 90% in Israel have already been vaxxed. <clears throat> to understand healthcare, you must learn how the money goes around. So we rained money on our healthcare system. Per capita, our medical spending became twice that of any other developed nation. The total is now about the same as our federal government's yearly budget. More precisely, our $4 trillion of medical outlay is bigger than the federal tax collections. This makes healthcare by far the biggest lobby in Congress. Despite all this, about half of our medical services are known to be useless or damaging. This is well known to medical academics. Further perspective. Two tech giants, Apple and Google alone, together have a larger stock value than the U.S. yearly federal government's spending. 50 to 70% of U.S. citizens have been convinced to take prescription drugs more than anywhere else. Big Pharma's worldwide gross revenues are $1.3 trillion, much more than the GDPs of most countries. 40% of its revenues and 75% of its profits are from the U.S. Another issue, why isn't Fauci in prison? His position allowed him to distribute over half of the worldwide healthcare research money over recent decades. This might total a trillion dollars, almost the power of a tech company. RFK Jr. wrote this, quote, Dr. Fauci has deliberately and systematically used his staggering power over federal scientific research, medical schools, medical journals, and the careers of individual scientists to derail inquiry and obstruct research that might provide the answers. The next section is entitled Mobsters. Pharmaceutical corporations violate more criminal laws than any industry in history as measured by their criminal settlements with U.S. federal prosecutors. The top 22 drug maker payoffs since 2004 have their own Wikipedia page of shame, and Pfizer tops the list. 
Peter Rost, who was a former Pfizer marketing vice president, compared the drug makers to mobsters. Quote, it's scary how many similarities there are between this industry and the mob. Obscene amounts of money, killings and deaths, bribing politicians and others. The difference is all these people in the drug industry look upon themselves as law-abiding citizens. However, when they get together as a group, it's almost like when you have war atrocities. People do things they don't think they're capable of because the group can validate what you're doing is okay. That's from his book, The Whistleblower. Harry Loyne was the Park Davis pharmaceutical CEO who was responsible for promoting chloramphenicol, which was an antibiotic that caused aplastic anemia and killed many children. He once said, quote, if we put horse manure in a capsule, we could sell it to 95% of these doctors. This is Big Pharma's attitude towards us all. Loin stopped promoting the drug only after it went off patent and became less profitable. The Food and Drug Administration, FDA, has been a creature of pharma since the early 2000s. Since that time, nearly half of its $5 billion budget has been paid directly by these corporations. This happened when user fees billed during the patent process were implemented. After this, the FDA started to regard the pharmaceutical companies as clients. If the FDA refuses to approve a drug, they might have trouble making payroll. Working together, the FDA and pharma shamelessly fake studies required for drug patents. Peter Gercha, one of the founders of Cochrane Reviews, wrote, quote, The pervasive scientific misconduct has led to a research literature where one has to dig deeply to find the few gems among all the garbage. He was referring to statistical manipulation, hiding studies that do not promote drug marketing, use of corrupted research contractors in other countries, and many other frauds. The title of a BMJ editorial from July 2021 concludes, quote, Time to assume that health research is fraudulent until proven otherwise. A case in point, claims of higher death rates in the unvaccinated are statistical frauds. Medical journals, even the most prestigious ones, have been bought by the medical industry. Corporate ghostwriters write 95% of their articles and big-name authors affix their names for a fee. The journal editors, who should be the ultimate scientific referees, are paid tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars each year by these companies. The whole system has been prostituted. This is all permitted if, quote, conflicts of interest, that is, payoffs, are declared in writing by the authors of journal articles and even physician standards. In government or law, payoffs like these could result in firing or criminal prosecution. In healthcare, they're ignored. Frauds in published manuscripts are often obvious. For example, the hospitalization rate, the only important number besides deaths, was absent in recent vaccine papers. Additionally, the groups studied were skewed towards younger people who have far better outcomes than elders. And whistleblowers are reporting that other vaccine frauds are emerging. One of my brilliant friends read all the studies. He said he thought the drug probably saved lives, but that he could not be sure without seeing the data. 
but these companies have lied to us again and again, as their criminal settlements attest. If the vaccines had a benefit, the studies would have included all the facts. I prefer Frederick Nietzsche's interpretation. He said, quote, I'm not upset that you lied to me. I'm upset that from now on, I can't believe you. A wall of lies, distortions, and fake studies have been pharma's standard operating procedure for decades. We know that the vaccine causes substantial harm and many fatalities. Our reporting system is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, V-A-E-R-S. As this is written, it has documented over 18,000 deaths due to the vaccine and 80,000 hospitalizations and 800,000 bad reactions. To report a problem, a form must be submitted that takes 45 minutes to fill out, which is an obstacle for overwhelmed physicians and nurses. The result is underreporting. And some estimates say that only 1% of complications are reported. For deaths, the best analysis is that 1 in 3 to 1 in 10 is reported. So we have at least 45,000. A separate system confirms similar figures in Europe. Past vaccines have been yanked from the market after only 50 fatalities or less. My COVID story. When I heard the first vaccine had, quote, 90 to 95% efficacy, I thought it was a joke. I knew that the industry's primary vaccine moneymakers over the past 20 years were nearly useless. The one for influenza was a failure considering the costs and the minuscule benefits. The reader can look at Cochrane reviews for these meta-analyses to learn for herself. And the human papillomavirus HPV vaccine was rejected by Japanese regulators because half the studies were concealed. These must have shown that it did not work. Despite this, the HPV injection is universally used in Europe and the U.S. where the pharma companies are the most powerful. Getting COVID produces powerful and lasting immunity, even for the new variations of the virus. But the vaccine does not prevent the disease. But rather than rename this concoction the unvaccine, the authorities changed the definition of vaccine. The limited post-marketing studies of the vaccinated seem to show some modest decrease in disease activity for two to four months only. If you believe the marketing hype, these concoctions must be given to everyone in the world twice or thrice or more. This makes them the most profitable drugs in history. In comparison, the psychiatrists and their psych drug companies have managed to only get 17% of us using their drugs. They're amateurs by comparison. A horrific story soon emerged. We have inexpensive, proven treatments for viral illnesses. Within a short time, they were also found to work for COVID. These were some of the safest medications ever invented and billions of doses have been used on humans. Despite my background researching pharmaceutical companies, I became completely convinced of their absolute evil only when I learned that a combination of these simple medicines reduces total deaths by at least 80 to 85%. Of the 700,000 U.S. people who died of the illness by early October 2021, more than 500,000 might have been saved.
The blood was on the hands of those concealing the therapies to sell the vaccine. Hydroxychloroquine and more recently ivermectin were defamed by thousands of fake stories, studies, and videos claiming they were harmful. This is business as usual for big pharma, and distortions like these have been part of our academic literature for decades. Everyone's favorite tech company, Google, whose original motto, now changed, was, quote, do no evil, and its beloved YouTube were the center of a censoring cabal. Who benefits? Pharma has a powerful motive to pay them, using our healthcare money to change the truth to lies. Why is this happening? Because experimental drugs are illegal to market when there are alternative therapies that work. These companies, along with a host of other players abetting the fraud, are so deep into this atrocity by now that backing down would be an admission of genocide. Mass and social distancing are part of the conspiracy, yes, conspiracy, to avoid therapies, keep everyone panicked, and promote the vaccine as the only solution. Who else benefits? I've never respected journalists or expected anything from the media. These players gutlessly mirror whatever is going on and sell advertising by taking advantage of controversy and anxiety. The academics are incomprehensible. The politicians have used and magnified this wave of troubles for their own ends. I find it hard to fathom that the destruction of our nation, our rule of law, or our productivity benefits any of these players, even in the intermediate term, but there it is. Even worse was the news from a Chinese defector eyewitness, Li Meng Yang, MD, PhD. She's a virologist who spoke at the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons meeting on October 1st, 2021. She worked in labs where the virus was created by scientists working for the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, in collaboration with the U.S. The disease was released first on their people and its worldwide spread was then facilitated. Chinese doctors were forbidden to treat their patients or protect themselves or their families from being infected. Yan speaks a great peril to herself and says the CCP regards the COVID bioweapon as, quote, unrestricted warfare against the rest of the world. Our media, our politicians, and our tech companies are cooperating with this agenda, and their culpability is also unlimited. I have a link to learn how the international bankers are also involved. These parties may understand what they're doing, or maybe they're unwitting accessories, but their crime, again, is genocide. We are not at the end of all this and must expect to be attacked again. So at the end, I have a list of references that can save your life. The overview is that COVID is little to worry about if you have the proper medications and treatment. The first link is Peter McCullough, who is a famed physician academic. And again, he reports that 85% of the fatalities would be prevented by ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, and other treatments used early and in combination. So I have the links. And then I have a link about the dangers of the vaccine, which is another lecture by Peter McCullough. The best online treatment resource is aapsonline.org, 
backslash COVID patient treatment guide, which is easy to find. There are others, including truthforhealth.org, americasfrontlinedoctors.org, and others. Ivermectin is safe and effective for COVID, and it's being slammed by a wall of lies. I have a link for that. The best podcasts are Peter Breggins and Robert Kennedy Jr.'s. The best books are, again, Breggins and RFK Jr.'s books. 25% of the world's fatalities occurred in the U.S., and I have another link to explain that. It's, about, it's less than 5% of the world population. Australia is a nightmare and must be studied to understand what could happen to us, and I have links about that. This is the most important message of my career. Please pass it along. Physicians are mostly sheep, but a few are stepping up. Over 10,000 signed a petition about this in Europe, and we have a few in the United States who are being, who are treating COVID properly. We have to fight. We are being cannibalized. Legal disclaimer, use this information at your own risk. It's not medical advice. Make your healthcare decisions with the help of your physician. See robertyohoauthor.com to learn about my books, Butchered by Healthcare and Hormone Secrets, which are both available on Amazon. You can also access half of the audio versions free and much more.